What's up, everybody? How's it going in the internet wrestling community and all over the great wide web? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo here with you on another episode of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news information and commentary on the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. And let me tell you what. Uh, it's good to kind of be back, uh, kind of drama-free, you know, everything's kind of even keel. Not a whole lot to report about in the wrestling world as far as in the ring goes. I know MLW King of Coliseum was last night, and I do have results for you for that. And, of course, I have my results for Backlash. Go over that one with you guys here on the podcast we'll save that for a little bit later but we'll get the news the major news out of the way pretty pretty easily first because the news outside of the wrestling business or about the wrestling business uh you know once again is not necessarily the greatest so we'll get to all that this hour so I appreciate you being here with me on the show. Again, got to shout out some amazing people who let me do my thing. I mean, I would do my thing regardless of whether or not that I was affiliated with Heel Turn Wrestling. But to be quite honest, uh, couldn't be anywhere without them either. So I want to shout out everybody from Billy Alexander and to the turnbuckle, the boys over there doing big things. You got to go over to their website. They had a huge, huge interview on Friday. They didn't have a regular show Tuesday, but what they lacked in a show on Tuesday, they totally rolled it into a fantastic interview with none other than Nick Dinsmore. Those of you who are as old as I am and remember OVW, you may remember Nick Dinsmore, uh, the, uh, the uh, part-time substitute teacher slash wrestling coach uh, who knew more about pro wrestling than most people um, and ended up being an OVW as Nick Dinsmore, uh, the wrestling savant, a surefire superstar in the making for WWE until Vince and Kevin Dunn and Johnny Ace got to him. And most of you now know him as Eugene, which is very uh, ironic. I don't know if you want to call it that because uh, the boys at Two the Turnbuckle interviewed Eugene for a very special show. I don't remember who the promotion, I think it was ASWA who put the promotion on. It was a very special show to benefit um, the students, children, people with autism. So uh, the benefit was amazing to the turnbuckle was part of it. And they got to interview Eugene for about an hour. So y'all should check it out. It is fantastic. And um, also want to quickly shout out uh, former 
co-host of Heel and Face podcast and everything wrestling. Uh, the Young Custodian has a new podcast out on Spotify. Check it out. I think it's called Trash Talk with Young Custodian. So uh, I always thought that uh, uh, both of those guys, he and his cousin, uh, Fresh Voice, could go a long way in podcasting and doing their thing. And you know what? This might be the start of them doing something again. So who knows? Check it out on Spotify and check us all out, by the way. At Heel Turn Wrestling, our Facebook page, HT Wrestling 316. It's HT Wrestling 316. All right, cool. We got some of those shout outs out of the way. And we'll just go right into the news. Let's just uh, peel these bandages off and get the, like I say, uh, bad stuff out of the way first. And that way we can have fun with the rest of the show. All right. So. I know this is becoming more like uh, those terrible uh, free or dollar papers in the gas station. You know, what's it called? Snatched or uh, whatever, caught. And they give all the terrible mug shots. This is becoming quickly a very terrible crime news podcast, unfortunately. But hopefully, I know I may have said this last week. This is the last time we'll be talking about her ever on the show again. But just to give you a quick update that a judge has revoked the bond on uh, former WWE superstar Sonny Tamulin Sitch, who was arrested for vehicular manslaughter. And normally I don't really get into the comments of, uh, of what judges and usually judges and prosecutors don't make things like this um, very vocal. But I think the judge did the right thing here when he agreed with the prosecution, saying that Sitch is, in fact, a danger to the community. If this were the first time, even, you know what, I'm not even going to say that, because uh, drunk driving is terrible every time, and manslaughter is uh, huge. It's, it's basically... Uh, I wouldn't say faultless murder, but it's still in the category of murder. And she is responsible for it. And this is not her first DUI. And this isn't the first time this year she was even detained or arrested for DUI. So um, I would like to think that she would finally get sober and get the help she uh, deserves or needs. I don't know, deserves at this point. A serial DUI runner, uh, someone who has completely gone off the deep end with drugs and alcohol. Unfortunately, she will be serving the rest of her life in prison. And that uh, the streets will be safer without her on it. Well, I mean, there's really nothing else to say to that. You know, there's really nothing else good to come of that. So we'll just move on um, to the next topic, which is even weirder. Or I'm not, I shouldn't say even weirder. There's nothing worse than drunk driving at all. But I think it's equally strange that how it just came out randomly. And we need to take a quick look at it so 
earlier this week. I don't know if this is out of the blue or this is something a long time coming. Maybe some of you who follow New Japan closer would know more about this. But in the era of Me Too and in the era of um, people using social media to kind of blow the whistle or out their uh, companies that they work for, I know even Twitter right now is going through their own uh, turmoil and upheaval. And there's rumors that operatives within Twitter before they get released are either burning documents or shredding documents, or uh, they're basically uh, deleting their accounts and wiping the um, wiping all the code and destroying things from within. So in the era where employees are striking back, it seems like Kota Ibushi is very close to being out of New Japan for various and sundry reasons. New Japan star Kota Ibushi accuses uh, New Japan of exploitation and sexual harassment. I don't know how specific he was. He wasn't very, he was very vague in a lot of his comments about what is going on. Um, he had multiple conversations with um, higher ups, text conversations with higher ups in New Japan, which which he posted on Twitter and he's basically exposing the business. He, which is a huge no, no in Japan. So he may be on his way out completely. Uh, this stems from a couple of things. He is accusing new Japan of forcing him to work after uh, his shoulder injury. Uh, they said that he knew that his, his shoulder was bad before, uh, G1 and it just exacerbated got so bad that they had to uh, rebook it on the fly and uh, you know say oh Ibushi couldn't continue so uh, um, so Kata wins he didn't mention anything about the concussions which was weird um, he didn't say anything about having to work after the concussions or taking not enough time off for the concussions, but he was worried about his shoulder, which anyway, uh, any injury where uh, wrestlers are forced to like play through, you know, again, it's the question of, are you injured or are you hurt? If you're, if you're hurt, you can play hurt, but if you're injured, then you need to be out. And apparently, Ibushi was injured with the shoulder. But the uh, but it continues after that. Apparently, um, he alluded to being exploited by mentioning the statement that black is black, and that New Japan has been working black for a long time. Those of you who are familiar, I had to learn this too. Those of you familiar with uh, Japanese work culture or, or Japanese culture, uh, a company or a business that is said to be working in black is said to be exploitive, is, is said to uh, abuse the workers. 
So he's making some pretty uh, heavy accusations when it comes to New Japan. Um, this uh, stems from another incident where he, even though he was injured, he recently uh, was seen at a small rival's pay-per-view or something like that. And he was on camera, kind of a, a Highlander situation from 2000s. And if you remember, uh, one of the Highlanders uh, was on uh, t Impact Television and Impact TV pointed him out. And basically Vince fired both wrestlers on the spot uh, when he found out about that. Uh, so... Abushi is saying, "Oh, you know, they didn't, you didn't let me go here, or you got mad when I went to a non-New Japan event. Uh, the person he was talking to, which he was uh, texting with, basically said you should have asked us permission first. Um, Abushi apparently is not working under a solid contract either. He's kind of working on verbal agreements, and he even asked in his." Uh, and this is what I'm gathering, by the way. He even asked in the text, uh, you know, if New Japan doesn't want me, can you just quietly let me go? Um, and, of course, New Japan doesn't want him going to any of the competition. So they kind of pulled the WWE and said no. So there are some... Interesting things at play here to work out. One is, is, uh, is Ibushi serious about wanting to stay or why wouldn't he put this out on social media? And this is the thing to do now. Okay. This is the thing you put everything out there on social media. We've seen athletes do it before with contract negotiations, with attitudes towards uh, the team, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen this time and time again. And it, in my estimation only works out about half the time. Sometimes you can get people to change and sometimes um, it uh, blows up in your face. Um, more often than not, uh, football players here in the States who are vocal about the teams that they're playing on, uh, end up getting, uh, getting, uh, released from their contracts. Um, sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. Uh, it's not currently working for Baker Mayfield. It's kind of blowing up in his face right now. If you want to make an allusion to uh, my team, the Cleveland Browns, but you know, this might be different. This might be something where it takes a bushy, to be someone to bring all this out, to bring us to the forefront, and hopefully the culture of New Japan will change. Now, I don't know. This makes them seem like they're more WWE than anybody else, uh, kind of with denials and with uh, accusations now. Um, of course, if this were a uh, wrestler in WWE who was making these accusations and posting this stuff on his Twitter uh they'd be released immediately. This wouldn't happen if you were a WWE. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it's indifferent. You know, it just, it's whatever the company culture is. But uh, Coda seems to be uh, a whistleblower, seems to be the uh, canary coming out of the coal mine, you know, whatever, to warn us all 
that this is happening in New Japan. Um, again, I'm curious as to why uh, he focused on his shoulder injury and not the concussions. Maybe coming back a little bit too quickly from those. Maybe he was implying that he was coming back a little bit too quickly from the concussions. Um, and then the second half of it, too, we can't overlook are the accusations of sexual harassment. Uh, although vague, uh, I don't think any uh, accusations of sexual harassment should ever be taken lightly. I think that there should be some type of investigation here, see what is really going on, who's being exploited and how. I shudder to think. I would like, I'm just going to keep a distance from any judgments or reservations as to who is being harassed and, and how and why. I just want to say that any type of sexual harassment uh, should definitely be investigated to the fullest extent. So I don't know 100% of what Abushi's uh, motives were. Uh, maybe he's just coming clean to really be a voice for change and a locker room leader. And he's getting mixed uh, uh, results on uh Twitter so far. It seems like he's getting a lot of support from his fans, which is understandable. Seems like he's getting mixed res uh, responses from wrestlers, whether they're in New Japan currently or not. So uh, we will see how this plays out. I hope things work out for Ibushi, and I really hope that uh, things can get cleaned up in New Japan. Um, I hate speaking in broad generalities, but it seems like, again, any time that there is an accusation of sexual harassment and being exploitive, uh, it should be looked into. So we will see what happens, what comes from Kota Ibushi accusing New Japan of exploitation and sexual harassment. Cool. Well, there is a little bit of good news before we kind of take a quick break. We can talk about we can talk about uh, the results of MLW last night and what happened during the promotion. Uh, they had their King of Coliseum and a lot of um, uh, some surprises. A lot of good things happened. And uh, let's get it. So the biggest news that's out there is that we have a brand new uh, featherweight champion in MLW. And it is someone who is not showing any signs of slowing down. Uh, I just realized the graphic was not up here, so we're going to work on that while we talk. But uh, Taya Valkyrie, good for her. She is the new featherweight uh, champion, and she won in, a, in the finals versus uh, Holly Dead featuring... Gangrel and Dr. Dax. 
so um, she won, I guess, I don't know if it was, uh, I'll have to double check. I don't know if it was a tournament final for her. I don't know if she, she was in the final necessarily, but uh, she was there and she won and she had her uh, impact championship in tow. If I show you right here, if you can see, that's right. Uh, it's a picture of her thanks to uh, Bodyslam.net for the pick there. She won last night and became the champ. Other things that happened the last night. There was the grudge match with Enzo, Lince Dorado. They had a beef on Twitter that extended out into uh, MLW TV, and Enzo defeated Lince Dorado. Other results, Gangrel defeated Bud Heavy. Matt Cross defeated ACH. The Openweight Championship belt was uh, contested. And Alex Kane defeated Davey Richards in a 20-minute draw. Earlier in the night, uh, Lindsay, Taya Valkyrie, M Microman defeated Arias, Holly Dead, and Minio Besmo Negro. The name of their faction is Strange Sangre. So basically, the baby faces defeated uh, the heels, and Sandman came in to make the save. He does that on occasion uh, on the side of the baby faces. There was a three way for the middleweight championship. Myron Reed hangs on to the belt, defeating Casey Navarro and Ades. A lot of guys doing double duty tonight. Alexander Hammerstone defeated Richard Holiday for the MLW Championship. So all of that posturing and all of that scheming and all of that, it was me, Hammerstone. It was me all along that Holiday went through this past year, um, you know, willfully getting beat up by Pagano in a uh, Tijuana street fight. All that sacrifice that he so-and-so uh, uh, made for the chance for him to win the belt, and he still lost to Hammerstone. So, uh, the new Samoan SWAT team that features a juicy finale, even though he's not Samoan, he's been adopted. Also featuring Jacob Fatu and Lance Anoy versus Los Aztecas, and this new Samoan SWAT team defeated them. As I told you, Ty Valkyrie became the new MLW featherweight champion and heavyweight justice Calvin Tankman and Edna Juka beat 5150 and the Von Erics to retain the uh, MLW tag championships. Brittany Blake defeated uh, Zoe Sky and the final match or the quote unquote main event was uh, a weapons of mass destruction match where Jacob Fatu got his hands on and defeated Mads Kruger. So those are some uh, quick MLW results for you. I think it's going to uh, really set up well because I believe the next pay-per-view for MLW is Battle Riot. As a matter of fact, they were advertising for it. So it looks like Battle Riot 3 is going to be coming up 
June 23rd. That should be really interesting. All right. Well, like I said, going to take a quick break to refresh, get a drinky poo. And when I come back to talk with you, we'll talk about my predictions. Did they come true for WWE Backlash? What my thoughts were for Backlash and some of the fallout this week that happened in WWE because of what happened at Backlash. So, hey, stick around. You are watching and or listening to the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. All right, everybody. Cool. Thanks for uh, sticking with me through the very short break. It is me. It is me. The big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo here with you on another Sunday afternoon talking about pro wrestling on the heel and face podcast. And I really, uh, I'm really digging what we're doing here. I'm digging the show. Thank you. By the way, I got a bunch of new listeners and a bunch of new supporters on the different various platforms, which I put the show out there. And I really, really appreciate you guys. I know that's an overused phrase. You know, you're from the Midwest. If you, say to someone that you appreciate them because you actually do this time. I, I really do. I can't make this work without you guys, without the fans of the show. I enjoy talking wrestling with you. And, you know, of course you are more than welcome to comment down below. Just share, subscribe, do all the things that you want to do on uh, your social media, on this social media you can uh, comment below either on the heel and face side or I'll also check the uh, heel turn wrestling side. Uh, if you want to comment during the show, I usually just check the heel and face side, but I will comment on either page. And I appreciate all the, the help and love and support that you have on both pages, by the way. So continue to do that. And if you want to join me on other social media, not just Facebook, you can join me on the different various uh, social media places around the internet, uh, on locals, on mines, uh, just about anywhere. Anywhere that's not either going out of business or never getting launched. You can also, I mean, I'm on Twitter too. I interact on Twitter pretty heavily as well. So you could just go there. But of course, if you cannot find me or you don't want to go to the social media per se. If you just want to listen to what I have to say on the drive in from work or dropping the kids off at school or uh, on your way to your favorite fishing hole, then you can definitely catch me on all my social media uh, accounts or on your favorite audio podcast streaming platform. So, bunch of people uh, hooked up on uh, hooked up with the show on Spotify for me and I'm blessed for that to happen so I really really do appreciate that I did post that over the week so come on over check me out on Spotify or wherever it is you listen to audio podcasts cool 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 Cool, cool, cool. I dig it. I dig it. Okay, so let's get right to it then, shall we? Let's talk about uh, WWE Backlash and, and kind of how I felt. I know I'm not the first one to talk about WWE Backlash. That's kind of the drawback 
to doing a weekly podcast on Sundays because the benefit is that you get to talk about the pay-per-views before it happens, but the downside is you got to wait a week to give your results. And I don't know if I'm going to put a bow on it as far as the internet goes, but we shall see. We shall see. So just thoughts in general to start off my criticism that except for the first match, Cody versus Seth and the I quit match, the rest of these matches could have been sent to us in an email. I understand that Peacock wants to have a ton of content. They want to put a ton of stuff on there. I know that Vince is a marketing genius and he wants everything geared around WrestleMania and SummerSlam, his two biggest money-making events. And I know he wants to stretch out that name WrestleMania as long as humanly possible, seeing as though there is no real good pay-per-views between now and I think what's next money in the bank. So yeah. Okay. Stretching out the hype for, for WrestleMania, which is technically the minute the Royal Rumble is over and trying to pull it through May. Okay. All right, it happens. You know, you're the boss. You do what you want. You market it how you want. The downside of that is that the expectations are a little higher than they need to be. And again, these matches that were kind of filler, they could have been on Raw and SmackDown. They could have been on Raw and SmackDown. Especially uh, Happy Corbin versus Mad Cat Moss. Uh, this is never going to end. And I I think it, I think it should, I don't know what to do with happy Corbin and mad cat Moss, just two terrible ideas that started off and they grew legs. And and now that's not to say that Baron Corbin hasn't improved because he clearly has. He's come a long way since the Lone Wolf and, um, you know, uh, uh, an an afterthought, a big goof, right? He has developed his character pretty well, and everybody loves him in the back, and he's super nice, and he's super safe to wrestle with, and he gets it. Okay, all right, okay. But what are you going to do with him now? What, What does that become? Like... Is he going to be in the mix again for the U.S. or Intercontinental belts? Is he going to somehow find a tag partner and try to get into the tag team realm? Because Lord knows uh, WWE hates tag teams. Uh, Vince hates tag teams because we don't have teams, pal. We have individuals. And I'll get to that. Uh, near the end of the show. But yeah, like, do I need to see that? And they tried, and it, it was okay. Uh, there were chants in the crowd for and this match that kind of got squashed a little bit. I We've seen what we need to see out of these two, so it isn't like we're clamoring to see two mid-card guys go at it on a pay-per-view. But it is what it is. 
and it happened. Um, and just a quick before I go on, the only thing that really amounted to was apparently on SmackDown, um, Madcap Moss was bragging and Baron Corbin smashed DeAndre the Giant uh, Memorial Trophy over Moss. So I don't know how much longer Madcap Moss is going to be so madcap. Other matches that should have been on Raw or SmackDown that aren't. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, this is another reason why the WWE and USA should uh, start hosting, or if not on USA, do it on Peacock. Want people to go to Peacock? Then do this kind of stuff. They should bring back the concept of what Crockett Promotions did with the quarterly pay-per-views or the quarterly like random Clash of Champions. I mean, they have the name Clash of Champions. They should, I know they've turned it kind of into its own pay-per-view, but they should have some type of Tuesday night in Texas style events only on Peacock, where it's like every Wednesday uh, at 8 o'clock, we're going to have an hour of random matches and just go, you know. Um, tell, just beef up superstars or beef up main event. Have like a Thursday night's main event, something like that, just for an hour on Peacock, right? That would make sense, but who am I? I'm just a guy talking about pro wrestling in his basement. Almost and Lashley, oh, just, I don't know if Almost has got it. No wonder why they put him back with MVP. I mean, it's almost as just generic, lumbering, seven foot giant dude who actually is a little more athletic. So I know there were some comparisons with Giant Gonzalez and whatnot. And by the way, the dude can talk, which is the problem that uh, Vince ran into with Keith Lee, which is the problem that other uh, wrestlers in WWE have run into. The fact that he doesn't have that cadence that all WWE wrestlers have to talk in when they're cutting a promo. If they let wrestlers actually flow with normal speech patterns, then I think promos and other speeches by wrestlers would be much better. And what was the problem with Keith Lee, right? The problem with Keith Lee was that they thought he was too intellectual. Okay. No one has an individual style anymore. You just have to cut your promo exactly how I cut that promo right there. So almost is really a, a nice guy in real life. He's a big anime nerd. He's a big, uh, you know, video game guy. Uh, he's got a lot of other interests outside of wrestling. Uh, he was at Wally Fest tearing it up. He's got a lot of interests outside of pro wrestling that make him more well-rounded. 
if he was just on the mic being almost, if he's just like, hey, I'm not this Colossus dude. I'm just a dude who thinks he he's good at fighting and wants to try it in WWE. If that were all, then he might be able to get over. But because Vince insists that he be some grunting, snarling Leviathan from uh, the depths of wherever to attack Bobby Lashley, then um, then so be it. Lashley's attempts at the Hurt Lock actually put on the Hurt Lock uh, pretty successfully. So that was kind of the highlight for me. I just wanted to see if he could do it. I really wasn't interested in the rest of the match as it stood. And, of course, the main event. Oh, wait, no. um, Before I forgot about the other match that could have definitely been on, uh, on a Raw, special edition of Raw or SmackDown, was... Uh, the uh, Edge versus AJ Styles match. And again, I don't want to say I told you so, but if I'm predicting this, this has got to be the most obvious thing in the world. Because I try to have takes that are out of left field. I try to have takes that are um, not of the norm. But when it's as obvious as Rhea Ripley being the one to interfere and cause AJ Styles to lose and then be revealed at the end to be part of Judgment Day. Um, I mean, how how much more like predictable can you be? Um, for all the WWE does well, their worst kept secrets are the worst. And I don't want to sound like a jaded pro wrestling fan, but you know, it could have kept us guessing, you know, I know it makes most sense to have, uh, uh, Rhea Ripley as the, uh, newest member of judgment day and a female and a competent female to be in judgment day. But, you know, could have thrown us a bone. Maybe could have been a big swerve and gotten Liv in first, and then Liv kind of sucker uh, Rhea into doing it. I don't know. Who knows? It, it could have been done way more creatively than than it was. And here we are. So now we have a heel faction with a really confident um, male who just needed a little bit more of something i guess according to wwe and now rhea ripley is a competent female and it, it could it could work i just think it's just corny uh the whole concept is just corny um and i guess edge came up with it so uh, he might have to take an l on this if it doesn't get any better than just edge being a jerk then um uh then this this might fall flat uh, the only other match that could have been sent in an email was the main event, which was Drew McIntyre and RK Bro or RK McBro or whatever being called uh, versus uh, the Bloodline. I mean, the match of itself was okay, but again, why put it on a pay-per-view. I know it's WWE backlash. I know the storylines carried over from WrestleMania. No, I get that. I'm not dumb. I just feel like why waste everybody's time with this match? Because you know me, 
the worst thing that you could do, in my opinion, is to use a match at a pay-per-view that just furthers a storyline or leads things in. Uh, pay-per-views are supposed to be terminal events. They're supposed to be ends or possibly beginnings of programs. At least with Judgment Day, we're going to see the beginning of Rhea Ripley being a, a, a heel now. But this match kind of just was there. Like, it could have been a main event for uh, Raw or SmackDown. They could have put that as the main event for Raw and then SmackDown did what they did, which I'll get to in a little bit. But it wasn't, it wasn't, they put just put them on, just threw them on because they felt like they had to, felt like Roman Reigns had to be on a pay-per-view. So there you go. Speaking of Roman Reigns real quick, I know there's that rumor that uh, he is gearing back down. Um, I don't know if it's a rumor. He did say something to uh, the house show in Trenton, New Jersey, that this is the last one of these he's going to be doing for a while. Um, there's a lot of speculation about it. Um, I, I was listening to a little bit of Jim Cornette talk about how at, at some point, at some level, uh, baby faces did that or not baby faces, but, uh, Oh, should I, did I Freudian slip there? Um, that, that any big name, whether it's a heel or a face did that, uh, you know, as a way to, uh, let the fans know that, uh, it's just, he's blown up to the point that he can be at the level of superstar, true superstar and that he's only doing appearances that make him look like a superstar. You know, limited supply equals greater demand. Uh, now, Jim was a little upset that a heel did that. A heel said that to a live crowd. But, again, sometimes Jim's still stuck in 1985. So with the rumor that Roman Reigns is moving on to bigger and better things, is it strictly acting is he going to get a part-time acting and still be competitive is he going to lose the belts anytime soon that's the other question and there's plenty of people who could take over for him with those belts and i don't know if wwe has the strength to let that happen but they should they got to make stars somehow even if they have to give the belts back to somebody they feel comfortable with like uh kevin owens or something like that waiting until the next opportunity comes along because you know Brock's not going to be there for a while uh, even though Brock is immensely helpful backstage you know that um, you know maybe this is the way to get Cody the belt I feel like they still need some work to do with Cody and Seth maybe possibly get Seth the belt so then Cody could win it from him that would be pretty amazing uh, different scenarios are calling for Roman Reigns to end up dropping the, the belt I'd like to see it against maybe Drew, give him another shot, uh, give a couple of different guys, maybe Randy Orton. Give Randy Orton a final shot at the belt before you drop it off to Cody. How fitting would it be that Cody would beat Randy Orton for the WWE belt at a future pay-per-view? So I think the stars are aligning to finally get Cody into the heavyweight picture, even though I still think that he should go about a year before he even starts to get a snifter of it. But, you know, again, what do I know? Um, speaking of Cody, his match with Seth Rollins, I mean, they just, they were painting by numbers at WrestleMania, but now they have a couple of 
confrontations and they're comfortable with each other. I think this match, I don't, I'm not going to say it was better than the one at WrestleMania, but it was pretty daggone close and was definitely the best match of the night. Just two guys knowing what they're doing in the ring, just doing awesome stuff to each other. Um, faking the disaster kicks a couple of times. Uh, even, I think even, uh, uh, Seth Rollins even tried to do the crossroads. Just a highly entertaining match. The psychology was there. Everything was perfect. Once again, when you let two guys who know what they're doing do their thing and leave them alone, um, then then it works. It works. And uh, Cody and Seth, if they have a couple more matches, might end up being feud of the year for the Heel and Face podcast. Uh, the only other match that was really good, something to, to note, was um, the I Quit match, which I was not looking forward to this being good at all. I had just mailed it in and said, this is going to be crap because Charlotte's kind of on her way. And I know Charlotte's got more respect for herself and her in the business and her father to just go out like a punk and just not do anything and just be whiny and mopey and sandbag and no sell. But Charlotte really put a lot of effort into the match. Um, I don't know if they should have gone into the crowd per se, but I was with it. I was into it. I, I wasn't against it. I like the homages to her dad versus Terry Funk about the I quits. I was matter of fact, I even tweeted something to the effect of um, it may, it might not be a, a real I quit match until someone calls a flare an egg sucking dog. But nevertheless, uh, it was really entertaining. Um, I don't know if I quit necessarily means a weapons match too, but kendo sticks were involved. Uh, my only criticism of the match was Ronda Rousey talking too much. Just, I mean, just, I don't know if that's what they wanted her to do. It's an I quit match. You're already talking enough. Uh, and Ronda maybe does talk a lot of crap. I don't know if, see, I don't know if, WWE Ronda is UFC or uh, judo champion uh, Ronda, which is not a bad thing. I'm not complaining about that. I just wonder if she talked a lot of crap. Misha Tate said she talks a pretty fair amount of crap during her, their match, during their fights in UFC. But I don't know if I just it doesn't interest me. I don't want to hear wrestlers jawjacking him themselves that much, especially. The baby face, because the baby face is, you know, supposed to be the nice, innocent, sweet one, right? Uh, and it was another thing. I know she patterns a lot of that after Steve Austin, but Austin was the anti-hero. I mean, technically, if you want to get real technical, Steve Austin is a heel. But because of the time, the zeitgeist, it's where people were in the 90s, Vincent finally admitted that he was the owner of WWE. It was a different time and it was a perfect time for Steve Austin to uh, be the anti-hero. But technically, Steve Austin's a heel. You know? I don't know if that worked for Ronda, if that's what she was going for in the match. Um, you know, talking crap. I mean, the, the crowd still loves her. The crowd, she was still over like Rover and she did a good job. So she continues to get better, which is what I thought all along uh, with with her. She would just continue to get better the longer she was in the ring. Um, 
Charlotte consummate professional, by the way, uh, with the psychology of the match, going outside, coming back, grab the, being the first one to grab the kendo sticks. Uh, I'm sorry, no, coming back with double kendo sticks. Um, just, just, just Charlotte. Um, uh, just commanding the match. You can tell she was being the ring general, and that's uh, not a, a bad thing at all. Um, I think this match went a little better than their WrestleMania match. In general, I found their WrestleMania match to be a little sloppy and 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 underwhelming, but this one was made up for it, definitely. And then the whole, uh, at the end, uh, was a was the was a great finish, right? The finish was, um, you know, Ronda Rousey getting finally getting her comeuppance and sending Charlotte Flair to the local medical facility with a report that she indeed has a broken arm. So that's why she will be out indefinitely. Uh, she will be putting a ring on that broken arm. She will be getting married, so she can take time off in real life. Charlotte's going to take time off to get married, so good for her. She deserves it. Clap, 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 clap. The match itself was great. It's probably the second best match of the night. Um, so props to those two. The rest of the matches for WWE Backlash could uh, could have been uh, a main event for SmackDown. Speaking of SmackDown and speaking of the fallout, the backlash for Backlash, we find a little bit of an invasion, so to speak, as RK Bro were 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 licking their wounds and talking about how they lost to the Bloodline on Backlash, but. The one thing that no one ever talked about is, according to them, actually going for the tag belt. So they felt like they were very close. And if Roman wasn't in the picture, the bloodline couldn't do anything. So it challenged their manhood, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the bloodline came out to interrupt and basically uh, challenge for the tag team unification but not right now, on our terms, on our terms. So RKO then turned around and went to the Bloodline and challenged them, the Usos, on SmackDown, on their show. So the challenge is now undeniable. RKO went to SmackDown, took it to the Usos, took it to the Bloodline. Yes, that is a picture of Matt Riddle's V-trigger knee to the face of Roman Reigns, of of all people. There was a funny incident where uh, Riddle dropped the wrong thing. He was supposed to drop the mic and not the, the belt, and Randy quickly grabbed it. Um, so this is happening, a unification of the tag belts, is indeed happening, um, to which I say, I guess, it's just frustrating that Vince hates tag team wrestling so much that not only was he willing to put it on 
a team of guys that just kind of came together because again, that's his philosophy of we don't have any teams, pal. We have stars who get together. I mean, they, they invented the whole pro wrestling invented the concept of tag team wrestling. They, they invented the whole, it's in our lexicon. Now it's in the words that we speak. It's in our idioms. Now, when you talk about uh, a presentation, People who don't watch wrestling, when their group is presenting to the board and one person is speaking and they say, well, I'm going to tag out now and I'm going to go, that is professional wrestling lexicon. That is how it's just like saying I hit a home run. It's just like saying I scored a touchdown. It's the same thing. And, and to see that Vince McMahon hates something that his legacy, his family, his father created practically the tag team idea to see him hate it so much that now they're just going to unify uh, the belts, which is I'm for more belts than less belts. You guys know me. I'm for less belts than more belts. Reason being is there's so many people now in WWE, like you're never going to see tag teams again featured in the way they were. And they weren't even featured that great. Look, how many times were the tag belts of any brand uh, on a regular pay-per-view like they're they've always been contested on a pre-show if anywhere else so Vince is not in love with his minor belts he just sees the heavyweight belt and that's it and which is a shame because pure wrestling fans like me and like you have always loved the traditional undercard, mid-card belts, whatever you want to call them, because we knew there were stepping stones. We knew how many great greats there were that held those belts. I'm not saying that it's a huge legacy of Raw and SmackDown, and I'm also not saying that they'll change their mind in another four or five years and have another tournament for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. But I'm saying we need more belts, not less belts, because there's so many wrestlers that need to be recognized and need to be in the forefront that don't get to be, that their time is monopolized. And I'm not getting into get yourself over, brother. That's another topic for another day. I just feel like if you have a brand like SmackDown, you should have a champion for SmackDown. You should have a tag champion. You should have women's belts for all the brands, right? Everything you do for the male should do for the females. And then you should have separate belts for every show. It just it just gives less opportunities for people. It's a less of a reason to be there. I mean, if I'm the, the street, Viking Raiders, do I even want to be in WWE anymore? Not the fact that I got moved back to NXT, but now I'm basically considered the guys who are just going to bring up the new tag teams, you know, work with those guys. I don't know if I want that. If I'm the Viking Raiders, I think I got another at least five to ten good years left. I want to go in the Indies. I want to go to Japan. I want to go do my thing there where they appreciate tag team wrestling. So more belts, not less. And that's my TED Talk. Thanks for joining me on the Heel and Face podcast today. I appreciate that. Uh, don't forget to look for me on all your favorite social media platforms and all your favorite audio podcast streaming services. 
Uh, I'm just going to say I'm out. Thanks for joining me on the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Uh, this is me. It's me, the big old Stevie C, saying I'm out. Have fun this week. Have a great week. And as always, peace. Peace.